I'm Naheem Morris. Today is December 1st, 11.45, and we're at Clock Tower Radio, and we're with... Florence Neal. Okay. So, Florence, tell me, who are the Kentlers, and can you tell us a little bit about their business? Well, uh, the Kentler family uh, built that building in Red Hook in 1877, and I, I've met them just recently. But on top of the building, it says Kentler established 1854. So the gallery that um, I started, uh, co-founded in 1990, was named after this family. And they had a a business, a storefront, sort of like a men's haberdashery and department store later. um, We found old buttons and old clay pipes in the basement. And I think it was a real go-to place. Red Hook was one of the busiest shipping ports in the world at some point. So this was the first time people had vests and clothes and, you know, from America because people were bring shipping here and shopping here, I guess. Okay. Um, can you tell us about, like, your experience so far? being in, like, business with the Kentlers? Well, I came to uh, Red Hook from the area called Dumbo. Okay. And I came here in um, 1987, or actually 84. And um, so it was part of New York City Artist Housing. They had four buildings in Red Hook that uh, they were trying to give not give, but have artists bid on them to bring them back to life so that artists could remain in New York City, wouldn't be chased out. Red Hook was a difficult neighborhood then, very rough. And um, What do you mean by very rough? There was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of guns going off. We um, started, put on a new roof, and we hired some local guys and we heard fireworks, and they told us what type of gun it was and where, what vault it was probably stored at. So that was in 1987, as I say. Um, we loved the neighborhood, and um, the difference in this neighborhood and Dumbo is that there are people here, and we could tell that there are people that treasured this neighborhood, mm. and, and everybody would come and tell us their stories. And we liked the diversity of the neighborhood. It wasn't just one type of person here. It's just all kinds. And, of course, people that remained here really loved it and were just had the most incredible stories. So I know you work with a, a, a painting store, so you must be an a artist yourself. Can you tell us what kind of... Yes. I'm an artist. I make a, I've worked in a lot of different mediums. But I'm focused, my own work is drawings and prints. And through that interest, uh, we, we opened a gallery that focuses on drawings and works on paper. It, because drawing is in the essence of everything. And we have a flat files that, um, is like a storage area that has over 230 artist works in the files. And we present exhibitions, four to five exhibitions, one-person exhibitions a year. And we um, we have a benefit, and we have a show from our flat files. Okay. 
It's a nonprofit, so we are about education, and we have a kids' art education program that's been going on since 2004, and we work with Red Hook Initiative, Good Shepherd Services, and um, uh, we've worked with the Justice Center for after school, and we work with the local schools, too, to bring the kids. Oh, great. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about, like, tell us the story of how you came to have this space? Like, take us back to when you first acquired the space and what you were looking for in a space. What drew you to this particular one and how it became the Kentler Gallery that you run? Well, um, we, uh, as I said, we lived in Dumbo and we knew at some point we'd be kicked out. We were on the fifth floor of industrial building and we were aware that the fire department might come and give us 24-hour notice. We love the idea of um, this artist housing that could take back a building. A lot of artists at the time, especially the guys, even the women, worked in construction. The women usually did electrical work as side jobs. Um, So we felt we could do this project with sweat equity. We had to have official code. You know, we had to do everything by code. So we loved this building. We could see that it hadn't been really cleaned out. It, it had its character, and it also had a lot next to it. And, and then who is this Kentler family? You know, it was like it had a history there. My, I, and my father's an architect in the South, very involved in historic preservation. So I grew up with this, seeing old buildings and how does one, rather than tear it down, um, preserve it. And actually my thesis in my university was graphic design, and um, I designed a logo and a commercial that was aired on Georgia television about... um, you know, doesn't look like much, does it? Neglected, overgrown, run down, ought to be torn down, right? Well, maybe not, you know. So preservation, this this foundation works to restore and rebuild a community. And that's what um, the artist housing wanted because this segment of it. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore. But there were so many buildings that were city-owned and they were just falling apart. No one had lived in this building since the 50s. And kids, you know, people in this neighborhood told us about, oh, yeah, we'd go in there, we'd have a party, and, you know, so there's people owned it, and people really felt like uh, the neighborhood was was kind of the Wild West in a good way, you know, but also in a bad way it it was dangerous for people. But in a good way it was, you know, everybody's yeah. <laughs> okay did i answer your question yeah what, what was the sort of what sort of what sort of state was the building in when you first got it and like what kind of work did you have to do and then also could you tell Everything. us a little bit about what artist housing is that you're referring to yeah um well there were some people in in new york city started in the early 80s uh, with all these buildings you know new york was in a depression in the 70s and there's an interesting thing that happened. All the industries were leaving, or lots, you know. A lot of people were moving to the suburbs. A lot of the residents of Red Hook, this had a lot of people, move further out <clears throat> and move to Staten Island or Long Island or wherever. 
Let's, let's get out of the city. It was the urban 60s, you know, let's get out. So also one thing that happened to Red Hook is a lot of buildings were torn down. They were going to do shipping here. So, and it didn't happen. And so there was a lot of just disbelief in the city, a lot of anger. We were cut off by the expressway. And um, so people, uh, there was uh, Janet Langsome within housing, New York City Housing and Preservation, said, why don't we set aside a segment to try, again, try to keep artists in the city, or otherwise they're going to not, they're going to be chased out. And they also give back to a culture. They don't mind going, being crazy and working really hard. And, and they also are not insular. And that's one thing we really weren't. We looked at our community, said, who's here? You know, we are not, we want to be, we want to involve you some way. And we're just like you are. We're newcomers. I mean, we're, we want to be a part of your neighborhood, but we're newcomers. So, the building hadn't didn't have any heat, didn't have any water. It had um, big holes in the skylight. The roof was raining in. Nothing had been repaired since the fifties. Uh, it it needed everything, but it hadn't been changed inside. So it had a stairwell, and um, we had an architect that was, you know, registered architect in Red Hook that was also reworking on his building. And he helped us get the plans and f figure out what we could do. And it was all approved. Everything, the city was always looking at what we were doing. And we didn't have any help from them. We could buy it. We bid on it. And then we had to, we had to meet the deadline of this program. And then it had to be live-work units for artists. And it still is. It was a certain amount of time. But it's always been live-work. So one of the things we did is to open the front of the gallery space as this um, front of the studio as this gallery. And now the whole floor is is the gallery. Uh, so Hurricane Sandy was pretty recent. And uh, can you tell us about some of the, like, like how did you feel when you first heard that Hurricane Sandy was approaching? Or like, like what were some emotions running through your mind? Or Well, I was very worried. Um, I, I think a lot of people were not as scared because we'd had a previous year scare and um and nothing happened but i i just felt that this was gonna hit us um our buildings are on a little bit of a hill we've never gotten a lot of people in red hook get flooded just when it rains because we're on these islands and there's all these under current streams so uh, I just did what I could. I, again, I have a lot of artwork I'm responsible for and just a, a big building. We have tenants. So I did work just like mad to try to prepare for this storm, and we evacuated to our friends in Park Slope, riders. But all night I couldn't sleep. I could hear the wind, and um, you just don't know what's happening. My my neighbor did stay. He called, and he said, you won't believe it. I said, what? He said, the water stopped 20 feet either side of our doors because it was coming you know we're on a peninsula it came from all sides he said but it's coming in the basements of buildings so we got damage there and then we were able to come over the next day and just the devastation of all of our neighbors and what we were all going through 
help, but everybody just helping each other, basically try to get the water out. And um, it, I was up for 12 hours pumping the water out of our basement. And our block, since we didn't get um, water, we our electricals weren't wet. So we got um, our electricity on in about two days. Mm. And we were sort of the only block around. So there was two artists about to do a show that opened um, November 9th. And, I, and they're both paper artists, and their paper was all over the place. Mm-hmm. I said, they said that we want to keep going. So we opened the gallery with these lights. Whoever could get there came, and we started our, we do a family drawing together workshop. We invited people back. We, we, we had meetings there for the businesses and residents, and were really a safe ha- haven for people and sort of a place where they could relax. One woman came over and gave people acupuncture in the front of the gallery, um, sort of stress-relieving acupuncture. And it was just so amazing. One woman friend told me, she said, I can't believe I'm crying in the Kentler Gallery. Because, you know, she said, I, had ev- I thought I had everything together, and this has just allowed me to relax and see the grief. So, you know, one thing that did happen too, sadly and amazed wonderfully, is that it kind of brought our neighborhoods together. I think you know there's there's always been this difference of the front and the back and it's one of the reasons I wanted was interested in opening a gallery is I think that everyone can know what can contemporary art is and should be able to walk in and say what is what are artists doing now? What are they thinking? And so that was the importance of having a gallery in your community. So with the Sandy, though, in our meetings, people started realizing, look, this person was really affected, but they're helping me, you know, because people in the houses didn't have electricity for a long time and had to walk up and down stairs and didn't have food and resources. So volunteers, people came from all over, helped me, we helped other people and we really came together in that look we've got to do something about this as a community we've got to make sure we're all protected and as crazy as a community can be you know everybody has different lifestyles and different points of view I think we all want to have um, similar things we want to have good education we want opportunities we want a safe neighborhood and we want uh, parks and good transportation. Can you, Florence, can you talk about maybe um, how how the Kentler Gallery tries to uh, uh, open its doors to the community? Like, what are strategies for, for engaging the community that you have? And what, like, what works and what, what have you found doesn't work? Like, have you had experience where, like, yeah, that just fell flat and, and other stuff that you felt has been successful? Well, it's it's a very tricky thing. Art galleries are not like theater where you come in and or music where there's an experience. An art gallery is a quieter um, experience. And I found just I'm very interested in um, the general public feeling comfortable coming in. And um, one of the best things is our education program and, I've seen 
I've heard kids walk by the door and say, I want to go in the gallery. And they're two doors down from a bakery. They're not saying, I want a cookie. They're saying, I want to go see this art. And this they've had a good experience, and it's enriched them, you know, tickles the brain. And how how does any learning thing, how do you get one a person to realize the magic in that? It's 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 you've got to have an experience yourself. So it's this whole thing with social, social media, blah, blah, blah. But it's friends telling friends or family bringing someone is really the best. One of the first things I did, though, is um, I put a clock on the on the um, wall that you could see from the door because it's right next to a bus stop. So I wanted people to look in. If that's before people had watch, you know, cell phones. To see what time it was, they might look accidentally and or in purpose at a piece of art so you've got to try everything to to um, reach out and again one of the first shows we had was called the red hook story reaching out to our our neighbors bring your photographs in and then there's one of the some of the uh, photographs from one of the artists these are part of our red hook archives because we don't show photographs but there's two photographs from that in our current show, which is celebrating 25 years. And there's also um, photographer Terry Slotkin came and set up a photo booth in the gallery. And she invited people, like if you had your photograph made with one person, only one person, who would that be? Would it be your friend, your lover, your mother, your father, maybe your enemy? What is that dynamic between... You know, how can she capture it? So she set that up and photographed people. And at first, people were scared, didn't know what it was. But we got some, once somebody came, then they said, you got to go get your picture made, because we gave them a picture of themselves. And it, it became a real treasure. And then she went to the to the library, the, the senior center, other places. And I I was sort of known on the bus. Oh, you're that photo lady, even though I wasn't the photo lady. But we had allowed people to have an experience and gain. It, it is their place. And I think there's a kind of misunderstanding reason I'm interested in a nonprofit. It's not that you can't make a profit, but you usually don't. But it's the mission of... Um, uh, whoop, I've, I lost it, but the mission of... How do you allow this to be everyone's? And, you know, and how do you get the word out that this is yours too? You know, it may not be exactly your interest at this moment, but hey, our exhibition's going to change. There might be something you're interested in. So, do you have, I mean, this is a, the, the tougher part of the question, but do you have it like situations that you felt like didn't work or experiences? Where you feel like, oh, you totally missed the mark with the with the community. I mean, especially as you said at first, when you were sort of like an outsider looking, looking for ways to to come in. Well, I, I have a lot of patience, and um, being here twenty five years, I think you have to. And if you're an artist or life in the arts, it's it's all about living the experience. And I'm, uh, I know that. The new thing is to quantify and see results now. But um, I think it's a slower, slower pace. Um, I don't think, fortunately, we haven't had any 
problems. We had one person draw on an artwork, and that was unfortunate, but that's one in 25 years. And this person was compelled to smear a charcoal drawing, and so I think they won't do that again. But it was through another class. It wasn't um, us. Anyway, but, um, yeah, I don't know if I can say one thing in particular. I, I think we're always trying to figure out ways to reach people uh, with with visual arts. And I I would be, I welcome your suggestions. <laughs> I read all the questions. Uh, What's the main question of our... The, yeah, yeah, I got you. Uh, okay, so... Uh, how would you just like like where in the neighborhood would you consider the front and the back of Red Hook? Like which parts of the community would you consider the front or the back? Well, you know, I know what it's been called before I was here, so I think that that's what it is. The we're the back. Um, we're behind the um, houses and the ball fields towards the water. And I don't know what the line is. I guess it would be like Richard Street. I do know that, um, and I, w I think we're all trying to say we're one Red Hook now. That's what came out of Sandy, is no, we're one Red Hook. And um, that is incredible. But, you know, if you're living here, you would think you're in the front because you've got the water. But what I didn't realize is that when we first reached out to PS15, they wouldn't let the students come to us, which is just a block away, because they were scared mm. of the, letting the students come over to a block away to the back. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't believe that it was fine. It took a few years to get a teacher to say, I'm bringing my class here. She brought her class to an incredible show of 18-foot drawings with a pencil by a Czech artist, and talk about patience. They're labor-intensive. They're huge. And he didn't speak a word of English. <laughs> and we had a blast. You know, it was fantastic. So, uh, but the there's a lot of s people fearful to cross that line is what I'm trying to tell you. Why and, do you think that is? You well, because you feel this isn't for me. This isn't, this isn't mine. Mm -hmm. And I think... That's why we want, want to have this nonprofit gallery for everybody. But also I think one of the things that's broken it down is, uh, well, you know, I think anybody that starts putting fences up gets more scared. You know, you got to break the fence down and talk to each other. And a lot of people are making real efforts to, to hear what each other has to say and their points of view of living here. I also think the park, Louis Valentino Pier, is for everybody. It brings people together. I think the arts, that's another reason in nonprofit, I think it's a safe haven. People can come together and say what they want to say. They can make the art they want to make. And we learn from each other in that, in that space. It doesn't matter race or how much money you have. It's all the same when you've got that blank piece of paper in front of you. Yeah. 
Okay. So, uh, like, when you're not working or you just have, like, a day off to yourself, where would you say you spend most of your time in the community? Red or, like, Hook. Where are some areas you, <laughs> where some areas in Red Hook do you, like, find yourself? Well, I've started this morning walk and because I want to see the community more. And there's always something to do in a nonprofit. Believe me, you're always working. So, but um, getting out in the morning, this place is beautiful. And, of course, walking along the water is so special. You know, we're one of the few places in New York that has this much waterfront. And, you know, there are ducks and boats and water, which is getting a little higher, you know. And But it's just such magic. And I'm also interest, interested in the sort of post-industrial, this, this thing that once was here, the shipping that, that we've changed but then there's new people working on the waterfront. I like seeing um, people working. I used to swim a lot in the pool, um, you know, in the in the park there in the summer, and it used to open up. It still does, actually. But when it when we first got when we first got here, it was wild. People were jumping in there with their shoes on and their clothes, and, and it was so wild. But it's kind of it's gotten. They actually have swimming lanes, beautiful now. So they open up for adult swimming in the morning. And um, so I, I try to roam roam around, see different neighborhoods. I mean different areas. Where do you where do you go? <laughs> where do I go? I spend like a lot of time at the stadium. I play handball over there with some of my friends. Oh, you do? Yeah. And I uh, spent some time in T Park because I skate around there a little bit. Uh-huh. Other than that, I like I'm not really out here. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. You don't live here? No, I do live here, but I don't like I don't like visit the areas. I don't hang out like, oh. when I'm on the uh-huh. weekend a lot, really. But I come here on the some days when uh-huh. I have to work. So that's it's pretty good. cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I spent some time going to uh, Valentino Pier with some of my friends, and we just like sit there, have some talks about life. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Right. It's yeah. crazy where it takes you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we have nature here, you know. We have oh, access yeah. to nature. Visually, visual beauty. Yeah. Yeah, I have lots of questions. I can't find the paper. I'm trying to remember in my head. You don't get me talking. You see, I go off on stuff. <laughs> no, you're great. Can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um... <clears throat> You sort of alluded to this a bit, but we were looking at your your personal website of, of you as an artist, and mm-hmm. I noticed that you had some references to water and then also to fishing tackle. Mm-hmm. And I was just curious about kind of like tell us about like your work as an artist, and also like what is it what does it mean for you to be like an artist in Red Hook, and like how does Red Hook, you know, influence what you create? Yeah, oh, it it does quite a bit. The beauty we were just talking about is really important, um, but I've tended to live near the water in New York, mostly. I lived in Dumbo. When we moved to Dumbo, um, wasn't called Dumbo then, but it was an old industry loft. And another friend said, oh, no serious artist will move to Brooklyn. And we just thought that was the craziest thing we ever heard of. You know, this is beautiful here. We get to look at Manhattan and be a little quieter. And of course, Red Hook's even more special because it's like a little community here. You have your neighbors and um we're we're connected to lower manhattan through this tunnel it's like an umbilical cord so we're we're there but we're removed we have 
some peace and quiet. So I've I've worked in a lot of medium. I'm doing large scale prints. I like public art, and I just did a piece this summer in the Catskills, and it was kind of about my experience with with the water. It was water and wood, and it was called Water Riddles. So I did a new piece using um, fishing lure floats, again, thinking about what we just went through with Sandy and how it's still painful to talk about it. I mean, I don't know about you, but people can bring up these emotions in a minute. And um, But I want to also do something powerful, uh, positive about it. So the the idea of the float or how, how one floats, that's what we all did. We sort of floated and we're, we're part of, um, you know, the next being stronger for that. But, um, yeah, so I, I really look at the water a lot. I photograph it. It nourishes me. And also I um, have a lot next door. I've planted eight trees. <laughs> So I think trees are really important for a good community. They give oxygen and, you know, so beauty. And I, I reflect a lot on um, Red Hook. Okay, that's great. Uh, can you, like, talk to us a little bit about uh, the gentrification, that if you think there's any gentrification happening in the community now from before? Yeah, I I don't I think gentrification is a bad word. Okay. What would you use? It 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 is happening and I'm very sad about it. Uh I would say gentrification when I first moved here, I was interviewed by a young architect for a, a magazine. And it was rough here. You know, the principal had just gotten shot, two people had been shot with drug deals on my street. My, our friends wouldn't come visit us in Red Hook. They wouldn't come to the gallery. I mean, very few. There was nothing to do afterwards. So he asked me, he said, well, you're gentrifying this neighborhood. I said, wait a minute, you could ask anybody in this neighborhood if they wouldn't want the quality of their life improved, you know? And I think you'd say yes. And so that means transportation, but, you know, safety, beauty, access. But when it starts chasing people out, then, you know, I guess that's what we're calling gentrification, when people can't afford to live here if it gets nice. I don't. I just think that's wrong, and I don't... The city has... To, we have to address that as um, community, and, and the city has to address it. Uh, how can we... I think Red Hook has the potential to really um, be a beacon for the United States. You know, we're bigger because we we are this urban place we are this town and you know community of real diversity so how do we work together and not feel you know just angry that we're not being served because you can always feel like I'm, I'm not being heard here and I'm just not participating but if we get together and we all go to, um, and I know that you guys are a part of things through Red Hook Initiative, you're mm-hmm. learning this. If you, if you show up and, and um, vote and be a part of this community in the way that you can, then y- your voice does get heard. And I think that you, there'll be ways that you, we can work to not, to keep housing for a diversity of people. 
and to keep people here. We don't want to lose our community. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Florence. Thank you. You sure? Uh, no, I mean, you asked about gentrification. My only, my only question, I mean, I was just, just for, for the sake of storytelling or the audio, um, you know, how has the neighborhood changed visually in 25 years that Kentler's been open? Like how, like, do you, aside from it getting safer, like, do you, like, what are the major differences do you feel like, um, that you see on a regular basis? Well, there's a lot of construction going on right now. I, I, there might be 12 uh, sites happening. Um, I, it's all, it, We used to be like an influx of new people about every year or year and a half. I mean, some people that are could be called old-timers, which I guess I am, have complain like oh who are these new people and I I try to look at it like no these people are coming they love this neighborhood they're coming here to be our neighbors so let's embrace them as as neighbors and um but uh one of the unique things of Red Hook is the empty lots and the empty spaces there are a lot of people that treasure that but one of the losses for Red Hook is all the people that left. So that means for many years we didn't have a voting, we didn't have a say, and people didn't care about what we were doing over here because we didn't have a powerful group. And we're, we're gaining that back, and we actually need more people living, working here. We need a diversity. We need so that we, we're, you know, it's balanced. And that and everybody needs to make sure that their voices are heard. So I think there's been some interesting architecture, some bad architecture. Uh, we want it, um, we'd like to keep this height. We don't want to have people build up. Um, there's a real big ch debate about zoning here. I've been very involved in um, the Civic Association. I'm also on a committee for revitalization and re um you know, preparing for next emergency. How you may have known some of those uh, meetings. Red, do you know it? Mm. Red Hook resiliency and recovery. And there's all kinds of great ideas about microgrids and you know how, when we do build, how do we build a sustainable neighborhood so everybody's getting um, benefiting and is protected. Uh, so. I think there's we want to keep this unique quality of of this community. It's there's a lot of people that um live here and have and also have a store and we would like more of that to be able to happen for like people of the houses where to if they had an idea that's one of the things we were talking about in these community meetings where could they have a store um, I've always thought that mall, that beautiful mall through the houses with oh, the green. Yeah. yeah, that would be great for like a um, weekend flea market of people mm -hmm. bringing their, their, you know, whatever they, yeah. people knit, people. And uh, people would come. You know, it's also a way to connect. There used to be a farmer's market there. And, you know, uh, added value had a farmer's market mm -hmm. in the in the park, in Coffee Park. And that brought people together. 
Um, I'm divert. I'm sorry. We, uh, yeah, special here. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, I was sort of curious if you might talk a little bit about. Um, like public art here. Um, mm -hmm. That's like one of my first experiences with Redhook was coming here and just being like, oh my God, there's like huge murals everywhere and just like so much art. Um, can you tell us a little bit like from your perspective, like was that present when you first moved here or has that been like growing or changing or what role does it play in the community? That's like five questions. Yeah, that's a <clears throat> tricky one. Um, well, I think what you're talking about is a lot of murals. There's not necessarily sculpture, yeah. and that's that was sort of my background. It's very difficult to to uh, place sc sculpture anywhere in the city. You have to have so many permits. Um, but the murals, it was graffiti when I moved here, so it was everywhere. And um, some of it was good, some of it wasn't. I think you know about that lot over near Ikea that people took over and had this graffiti world on these in these containers. It's kind of fascinating. So, um, and then, you know, of course, Swoon, and then people came and, and just put their things up. It was just part of the environment. It was kind of wonderful. It's like, wow, there's that. And I think people are respecting, it's not so much, there is still the tagging, you know, like that's mine, but there's a kind of respect and, and let it disappear, kind of like this, the neighborhood, you know, it has, shows its wear and tear. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's special for, to Red Hook and for Red Hook. Yeah. But it's still hard to put up sculpture. I have some sculpture in, in our yard, but it's very hard. I always wanted to do an outdoor sculpture place over near the, um, Granary, you know. No, that, I'm not sure where that's at. Well, it's Granary. that big. It's the big white building over near the uh, baseball park. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's called a the grain terminal. Okay. It's empty. It's abandoned. It's abandoned. Yeah. It's owned by some. It's owned by Quadrosi now, but it was one of the biggest grain terminals in the world when it was built. So much concrete went to build that thing, and by the time it was finished, they were no longer shipping grain down, you know, here to New York f through the Erie Canal and down the Hudson. So it just sort of sat there. Mm -hmm. It's a fascinating place. But, yeah, I was part of, um, I was in this first show at Socrates Sculpture Park. Do you know where that is in Queens? Oh, yeah. And um, helped, you know, w with that, uh, turning that from a desolate area to a, to a park, and then it became embraced. Mark DeSuvero did it, and then it became part of New York City. So they do annually sculpture shows, and it's the city's park. They have dance, they have films. It's incredible. I don't know. Well, I do know how long, eight, 1985 or 86. But we were trying to talk, maybe that could happen here somewhere, but it takes, it takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> I could spend more hours, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that you would like to add? No, oh, I, I just, I don't know. Covered a lot of ground there. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I go off. It's just. That's, sometimes the best stuff is in the deviation. Yeah. yeah.